Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hi, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. We're studying biblical prophecy from a Catholic perspective, and today we're talking about apostasy and the Antichrist. And if there's one verse that kind of summarizes this topic, it's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3. St. Paul writes, Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion, that's the apostasy, comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. When our translation, Revised Standard Version, Catholic Edition, says the rebellion, in Greek we get the English word apostasy from the Greek word, and the son of destruction, it's talking about the Antichrist. So what is this is saying, we need to be very clear, that the Antichrist is going to ascend to world power, but what enables him to do so is a great apostasy, which actually has to happen first. Now, and this is important, the apostasy that St. Paul is talking about is not for those bad folks out there. The falling away he is talking about are Christians falling away, Christians' nations turning their backs on Christ and Christian cultures turning around and rejecting Christ, maybe wanting just to be neutral where there's really no neutral ground. You're either eventually going to be Christ or Antichrist. In Isaiah chapter 9, it speaks like this, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Well, the people walking in darkness, they were the Gentile peoples throughout the world, the nations of the world. Apart from the Jewish faith, apart from the Christian faith, they were walking in darkness. And then when Christ comes, a great light occurs. But the apostasy is a short-term reversal of that light over the nations. The light's going to be over the nations in the book of Revelation for a thousand years, a metaphorical way of simply saying a long time, and then for a relatively short period of time before the second coming, that will be the apostasy and a reversion to the nations of the world walking in darkness. In Revelation 9, it refers to this. It says, the fifth angel blew his trumpet and a star fallen from heaven to earth was given the key to the shaft of the bottomless pit. That bottomless pit, translated in English as bottomless pit, in Greek is the word we get in English, abyss from. This is talking about the abyss. And he opened the shaft of the bottomless pit, or the abyss, and from the shaft rose smoke like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened with the smoke from the shaft. What is this saying? that there is going to be a opening of the prison of Satan and his hordes who had permission and the ability to darken the minds of the nations of the world. And shortly before the return of Christ, this pit is going to be opened and the smoke, the darkness, the spiritual closing of the mind, so to speak, is going to occur. 
I place great emphasis on the prayer of Pope Leo XIII. He, in 1888, had a very dramatic experience where God showed him what was coming in the next century, namely that Satan would have at it at the church and trying to destroy the church if he would just have time. And the Pope was given a vision of this. They thought he was having a heart attack, and he waved people off, went into his study, and composed the prayer of St. Michael the Archangel. Now, the prayer that you and I pray very often, and a lot of times after Mass we pray it together and such, is a, a shortened form of the prayer. The long form of the prayer is an exorcism prayer, and we shouldn't be praying that. That's why we have the shortened version. But the long form, the original form of the prayer, had three parts. It's mentioned that Satan and the multitude of wicked spirits were put into the abyss. And then the second part of the prayer, that Satan and his multitude are out of the abyss invading the earth in present tense. So either it was happening in Pope Leo XIII's day, again, that was 1888 when he wrote the prayer, or it might have been looking forward to the 20th century. And then the third part of the prayer is a prayer to put him back in the abyss again, get him out. And so the same thing, we're talking about Revelation 9, prayer of St. Michael the Archangel, the long form, and then Revelation 20, verses 7 and 8, it says, when the thousand years were ended, Satan will be loose from his prison and come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth. What does it mean to deceive the nations? Is lead them into blindness, spiritual blindness, or darkness, deception. And that will bring on the apostasy, which will prepare the world for the coming of the Antichrist. Now, how do we know what that situation will look like. I would suggest to you there will occur a worldwide, very intentional, what I call crossing the line, the red line. A lot of uh, governments have a red line saying, you know, if you do such and such, we'll go to war with you. Uh, people have a red line. If you do such and such to my kids, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm not going to be nice to you. Whatever the, there's a red line that the world will do during the great apostasy, and that's violating God's order, violating God's order. And I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures that actually uh, surprisingly go together on this. One's from the Old Testament book of Sirach, chapter 16, verse 7 says, God was not propitiated for the ancient giants who revolted in their might. Who were these ancient giants? Well, we know from Genesis 6, the union of angels and women grossly violating God's order for the world and the universe resulted in the birth of giants. That's Genesis 6. And then the next verse, Sirach 16.8, he did not spare the neighbors of Lot, whom he loathed on account of their insolence. Well, who were the neighbors of Lot? Sodom and Gomorrah. So you have a conjunction here, two verses together in Sirach 16, Genesis 6, crossing the red line, so to speak, and Sodom and Gomorrah, again, crossing the red line. You go to the New Testament, 
you have two verses together that are actually one extended sentence in the book of Jude, the letter of Jude. It's just one chapter. Verse 6 says, The angels that did not keep their own position but left their proper dwelling have been kept by him in eternal change in the nether gloom until the judgment of the great day. That's the abyss. And the angels did not keep their own position but violated God's order. That was Genesis 6. In verse 7, right next, it's, remember, and it's only a semicolon in our translation, it says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah. In other words, these two things Jude is bringing together to us in our minds. Just as Sodom, Gomorrah, and the surrounding cities, which likewise acted immorally and indulged in unnatural lust, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. So I'm just showing you that in Scripture, bringing together these two events, Genesis 6, Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis 18 and 19, are the premier Old Testament examples of humankind violating God's order. And you might say, well, really, how do the two go together? And I think the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible says it very well, talking about Jude's verses 6 and 7. They say this, Just as fallen angels once desired sexual intimacy with human women, so human men once desired sexual union with the angels who came to Sodom in disguise. Jewish tradition likewise noted the connection between these episodes. And I'll take it again one step further. More than simply episodes, they're premier episodes demonstrating the danger of crossing the red line, of violating God's order. Now, the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible made reference to a writing, probably a Jewish writing, one or two centuries before the time of Christ, called the Testament of Naphtali. And I've never actually read the Testament of Naphtali. It's part of a collection of Jewish writings entitled the Testament of the Twelve Patriarchs. And at the end of Genesis, as the sons of Jacob were being blessed, um, the 12 sons appear before him and he gives a blessing. Well, this writing, it wasn't done by the 12 patriarchs. It was just a writing where they take the name, uh, a pseudonym that we would say today of a famous Old Testament figure and have instruction. It was pious writing, uh, a fragment in Hebrew, from the Testament of Naphtali, which we're talking about, was found among, among the Dead Sea Scrolls. So in other words, uh, very pious Jews were reading this at the time of Christ. So this is what it says, and I think it's worth hearing because very few of you have ever heard anything about this. Be not therefore eager to corrupt your doings with empty words to deceive your souls. Sun, moon, and stars change not their order. This word order is going to be very important. So you shall not change the law of God in the disorderliness of your doings. Nations went astray and forsook the Lord and changed their order and followed after spirits of error. Don't be like them, my children, recognizing the earth, the sea, and all created things. The Lord made them all and that you not become as Sodom, 
which changed the order of its nature. In like manner, the watchers, the watchers is another term for the fallen angels in Genesis 6, in like manner, in other words, just like Jude 6 and 7 talks about Genesis 6 and then Genesis 18 and 19, in like manner, the watchers changed the order of their nature whom the Lord cursed at the flood. Now, verse 4 of the Testament of Nathalie, chapter 3 and verse 4, these things I say, my children, for I have read in the holy writings of Enoch that you yourselves also will depart from the Lord, walking according to all wickedness of the Gentiles, and you will do according to all the iniquity of Sodom. This is a prediction of what will happen in the great apostasy, and it's violating the divine order. I'm thinking just this week where a Catholic Archbishop of Berlin said a priest will no longer be disciplined for having uh, same-sex blessings, uh, ceremonies, so to speak. They don't call it a sacrament, but so long as the parties love each other, a priest can bless those living an unrepentant, active, homosexual lifestyle. And actually, this is the clearest of signs of apostasy. So we don't want to uh, listen to this type of bishop saying there's no problem with this. There's a big problem with this that has a very long history. And remember, apostasy leads to the Antichrist, and the signs of apostasy are clear and unmistakable. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to Catholic Bible Prophecy with Luke 21. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.